welcome to the podcast of First Presbyterian Church of Marietta, where we are committed to changing lives with faith, hope, and love. We're so glad you are here. A second scripture lesson from the Gospel of Luke, Luke chapter 1, verses 67 to 80. Again, I invite you to listen for the word of the Lord. Then his father, Zechariah, was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has looked favorably on his people and redeemed them. He has raised up a mighty Savior for us in the house of his child David, as he spoke through the mouth of his holy prophets from of old, that we would be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us. Thus he has shown the mercy promised to our ancestors and has remembered his holy covenant, the oath that he swore to our ancestor Abraham, to grant us that we, being rescued from the hands of our enemies, might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness in his presence all our days. And you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways to give his people knowledge of salvation by the forgiveness of their sins. Because of the tender mercy of our God, the dawn from on high will break upon us to shine upon those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. The child grew and became strong in spirit, and he was in the wilderness until the, until the day he appeared publicly to Israel. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. A few weeks ago, I received an email from a woman named Kay Power. Kay Power live streams our worship service regularly. Because of live streams, she can worship with us from her home in Australia. Thanks to a friend, Jane Sullivan, she was introduced to our church and has developed such a high regard for our chancel choir that a couple of weeks ago she emailed me to say, I don't know of a place nearby where I could hear a choir like yours. Maybe in the cathedrals of Sydney. Other than that, I don't know where I could go to hear music like what you have in Marietta, Georgia. I think she's right about that. We have cathedral-level music around here. However, I feel sure that many who hear our choir, our bell choir, our musicians, Sunday after Sunday, have gotten used to them. While there have been Sundays when we've all been so moved that we clapped after hearing the choir sing, we don't always clap, not only because Presbyterians don't clap, but also because our expectations have adjusted. It can happen. It is possible. When it does, the outstanding becomes typical. The exceptional feels normal. The same thing can happen with mediocrity. After hearing myself sing for as long as I have, I'm starting to think that I sound pretty good. And that's not objectionably true, objectively true. I, I've just gotten used to the sound of my voice. And what we get used to, be it above or below, becomes average. 
Those who expect to succeed get used to success. And those who expect to be disappointed can get used to disappointment. We all adjust our expectations in such a way. That's why they say it's the hope that kills you. So some save their heart from breaking every time a prayer isn't answered by not expecting it to be answered. Yet those who adjust to low expectations, yet those who adjust to unanswered prayers, stand the risk of not believing should the miracle arrive. So it was with Zechariah. Our second scripture lesson is the word, they are the words of one who had grown so used to disappointment that when a miracle fell in his lap, he couldn't believe that it was real, at least not at first. While he celebrates in our second scripture lesson for today, his initial reaction to the miracle of his long-awaited son's birth was not celebration, but doubt. To give you a little background, in the previous chapter, the Gospel of Luke tells us that Zechariah and his wife Elizabeth were good and righteous people. In fact, the Gospel of Luke goes so far as to say that they were, both of them, righteous before God, living blamelessly according to all the commandments and all the regulations of the Lord. Not only that... But Zechariah was a priest and Elizabeth was a descendant of Aaron, the original priest of Israel. There can be no doubt that both knew right from wrong. That both went to the temple, not just when they had to, but as often as was possible. We should all assume that they knew how to pray. And when they had trouble conceiving, they knew who to ask for a miracle only at some point or another, they must have stopped believing that the miracle would happen. That's what happens with disappointment. People get used to it. Month by month, I imagine that they got used to the disappointment over their unanswered prayer by lowering their sights and settling into the unfortunate reality that children would not be in the cards. Both were getting on in years, the Gospel of Luke tells us, and you can't allow your heart to break and break again forever. You must learn to adjust your expectations. That's what people do. Their disappointment didn't stand in the way of their religious observance. However, as the years went on and the hope for baby did not arrive, he still said his priestly prayers just with a little less hopeful expectation. Zechariah continued on as a priest, though bitterness over his unanswered prayer may have worn on his heart. Perhaps he wore his priestly garments, but without the same reverence as he once did. Maybe he still admonished his congregation to faithfulness, but with a little less conviction of his own. Perhaps he still declared the mighty power of God with doubts in his mind. Surely he was honored when he was chosen to go offer incense in the holiest place on earth, the sanctuary of the temple, the holy of holies, the place where God was known to be. 
Yet did he really expect to meet God or one of God's angels when he went in there? We know that he didn't. For when Zechariah went into the Holy of Holies, an angel of the Lord appeared to him and to tell him that a baby was on the way. And Zechariah didn't believe it. Because you do not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their time, the angel Gabriel said, you will become mute, unable to speak, until the day that these things occur. That's all there in the verses before our second scripture lesson. And a version of the events they describe have happened to me as well. In my first year as a pastor, I was serving the Lord at a suburban Presbyterian church in Gwinnett County. I was an associate pastor who in seminary had loved learning theology and studying scripture and was overjoyed to be called to serve a real church with a, a real congregation only as the weeks and months went on. There was far more stress than I had expected. Seminary had been one thing. Ministry in the church was another, for there was no class in seminary to prepare me for choosing between white and red poinsettias, which is a real issue I had to navigate that has real consequences. <laughs> Likewise, there was no class on how to respond when a member of the church is surprised to see you buying beer in the grocery store. I felt like a 17-year-old caught in the liquor store when it happened. <laughs> Yet six or seven months in, mentally, I had grown used to life as a member of the clergy, but physically, I hadn't. A rash broke out on the side of my stomach. At my wife's urging, I went to my doctor who examined the rash, then diagnosed it as hives. I could give you medicine, my doctor said, but I'm not going to. Wondering why, he then said, this rash comes from stress. You don't need medicine, you need to relax. You're a pastor, right? I nodded. Then he said, you need to find a way to relax. Have you ever heard of prayer? <laughs> why would a pastor need to be prescribed prayer? Or in the case of Zechariah, why would a priest lose faith? The great preacher Fred Craddock once described his disappointment when he looked behind the pulpit to find nothing more than a cup of coffee growing mold and a, a box of Kleenex. How could it be that this sacred lectern could turn into a receptacle for moldy coffee cups? It sounds strange, but this is what happens. Human beings get used to sacred things and forget that all the ritual of organized religion points to the supernatural. The same thing happens in the movie, The Bishop's Wife. Have you seen that movie? If not, watch it tonight 
It's better than all the other ones. It's better than Elf. It's better than a Christmas story. It's better than everything. I watched it for the 20th time this morning. The bishop is standing there in his office. He's feeling pressure to raise money to build a beautiful cathedral. And in desperation, he prays to God, Lord, won't you help me? God heard the bishop's prayer and sends an angel to come and help. Only guess who doesn't really believe in angels? The bishop. The bishop doesn't believe that this character who walked through the locked door of his office is an angel sent by God. He's glad for the help, but the bishop doesn't believe. The bishop asked the angel to take his wife out to lunch while he goes to, to meet with a wealthy widow who may be prepared to make a generous donation to the cathedral fund. And this is where the, the Hollywood plot and the Gospel of Luke diverge. For in the movie, the angel falls in love with the bishop's wife. No such thing happens in the Gospel of Luke. <laughs> Though the bishop and the priest, Zechariah, both eventually wake up to remember what faith is all about. It's there in our second scripture lesson. When the long-awaited child is born, he proclaims, by the tender mercy of our God, the dawn from on high will break upon us to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet in the way of peace. My friends, this is a wonderful passage for us to hear this morning, for there is so much ritual, so much preparation to our celebration of Christmas. Yet like the priest who stopped believing in God, stopped believing that God would answer his prayer, we can get so caught up in the motions and the preparation that we forget the miracle at the center of it all. This Christmas, I hope to help put the Christ back in the Christians. And I don't mean that I insist you say Merry Christmas rather than Happy Holidays. I mean that I hope you and I can remember that at the center of all of, all of this is a miracle beyond our understanding. At the center of all our preparation is a supernatural event, a miracle that our God has done for us. A gift from God, far greater than any gift you are likely to give or to receive. Do not forget that there is a terrifying real miracle beneath all the wrapping paper and amid all the decorations. The twinkling stars point to the God who created for us the spinning planets. No light on any house can compare to the true light coming into the world. Now I know that some were dragged here this morning against their will. Others are working on their to-do list at any break in the service. It's that time of year. It is the time of year for over-functioning and pushing ourselves to the brink. But if the foundation of all that we do today is not the mighty love of God, then we Christians have missed the point. And we deserve to be silenced by the angels just as Zechariah did. Back to the bishop's wife. 
I'm going to give the whole plot away now. Just in the nick of time, the bishop wakes up to discover that loving his wife well and his daughter well says more about his faith than building a cathedral. And I, I haven't had hives since because I've learned to pray. I try to relax. I try to keep my priorities in order. When I don't, I lose sight of the true meaning of Christmas. So I hope myself to keep Christ in the heart of this Christian. If you are just going through the motions this time of year, then hear me, hear me say, hear me when I say, God doesn't want us to make a forced march toward Christmas morning. What God wants is to hear you sing. Let's put the Christ back in us Christians because Jesus didn't come to earth because he had to or because he was supposed to. Jesus came to earth because God loves us. If your celebration this time of year looks like obligation, then remember that. Remember to love one another as God loves you. At the root of all that you do this time of year, let it be not routine or obligation, but love. Love, which is always miraculous. Amen. This podcast is a ministry of First Presbyterian Church of Marietta. Come join us Sundays at 189 Church Street, Marietta, Georgia, or visit us online at fpcmarietta.org.